I'm going to be watching Don't Exclude Me, Series 1, Episode 1. I'm pausing it there already because this child, Oscar, reminds me so much of my youngest child who is autistic and also meets the profile of PDA. And he shows on the surface this really um, superficial social awareness and that's really common with PDAers. But the problem is he can regurgitate things to you, he can say all the right things and sometimes he does get it. But generally speaking, he really struggles to make connections. He's a very anxious child. And although when I was teaching, yes, it is really important, and even as a parent, to try and get children to say things back to you. So, for example, if I was going to be doing um, starting the lesson, I would say to the children, OK, guys, so what are we doing? And, you know, what do we need to do? And just to, to kind of, I suppose, check and confirm that they do understand what's being asked of them. Now, this child, he's asking him, you know, do we do this in class and why don't we do this? And the child can say all the right things. But there's a huge difference between being able to say the right things and actually be able to practice that theory, to actually apply it in a situation, especially for children who are heightened. I mean, any child actually in that kind of state is probably going to struggle with it. But he is not going to have the reason and the ability to access that logic when he is in fight flight or freeze mode and um i know that you know we're going into this a little bit prematurely um but that's already what my problem is with this so what do we do to keep ourselves safe we make sure we listen you know listening it is okay so turn brain on listening and listening is if your teacher says stop doing that stop so it's clear the child has been taught like the strategies of all to take deep breaths in um but again and i do appreciate that you know there's only so much they can include in the show and they're not going to be able to show everything but what you're not really sure of is is this a case of just teaching him these things to follow and regurgitate has it been explained to him the meaning and the purpose behind it you know have they um actually looked into possible SEND, so possible special educational needs and disabilities. I think this show doesn't cover any of this. Nothing seems to be looking at the perspective of a child who has any of these additional needs. And already that's like flagged up to me. Obviously, I've seen it before, so I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But it is really frustrating to watch because, again, saying to a child, oh, you know, when your teacher tells you to stop, what are you going to do? As I said earlier, it's really easy, isn't it, when you're not in a situation where you are triggered to say what you are going to do. And I feel like it's just setting up the child for failure immediately, to be honest with you. Um, again, there should be different, different accessible things in place. There are so many things you could use. Now, it doesn't work for every child, and my child's one of those children. Um, you can use social stories. 
they're inconsistent with him. You can use visuals, they're inconsistent with him. You can use emotional um, regulation techniques and things like that. But again, when they're triggered, it's very, very difficult for them to come into a place to do that. You need to teach co-regulation, really. So you need to do it with them. You need to model these things. And I appreciate in the mainstream classroom, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but there's other ways you can do it. And actually, when they're in distress, talking is not really the best thing. And that sounds absolutely hilarious coming from me because I'm such a talker. But sometimes you just need to give them that time to come down. And I find that with my youngest child. And Oscar, like I said, really reminds me of him. Headlines this morning. The number of children in England permanently excluded from school last year was nearly 8,000. Equivalent of 31 every school day or a classroom of children. No temple. So why are children being excluded? I haven't actually checked the data, um, and again, to be honest with you, is it accurate? Where do I actually find the most up-to-date data? Where have they got theirs from, I suppose? Um, I haven't looked into this in great detail. But what are they being excluded over? It'd be really good to see what the pattern is. Is it low-level behaviours? Is it really, you know, um, aggressive behaviours? In this programme, they're kind of showing you children who are on the brink of exclusion. But actually, if the school dealt with some of these behaviours differently... They probably wouldn't need to be excluded. They could be supported in a different way, which we will go into more. But this is what frustrates me with this, the situation we're in at the moment is we have an education system that just needs to be updated and the approaches need to be updated and the training needs to be there. And, you know, I'm a neurodivergent person myself and I did not know that I was autistic when I was teaching. I naturally did things just through getting to know the children and also, in some sense, I suppose, recognising what some of their issues were from my own school experience and also just from researching and learning and reaching out for any support and trial and error. And it just frustrates me that, you know, the teaching profession are amazing. They get a lot of um, attack from everyone, the media, parents, you know, everybody is very quick to have a lot to say about them. I can say that, yeah, there are some teachers who are infuriating, but generally people go into this job because they're passionate about education, they're passionate about children and the future. And it's so hard, because everybody seems to want a piece of you. And that job is difficult. You are managing workload, but you are also, what I think is more important, is you are helping those children to feel secure and safe. Hopefully, that's what you're doing. You know, you're working on their self-esteem and their confidence those things are going to take them a lot further than just learning a little bit of maths and English, in my opinion. Or primary school in Southend on Sea is recognised as a good school by Oxford. But like many schools across the country, they are struggling to manage extreme behaviours. This child is so much like my son. That's a teacher saying that she cries in the morning not being able to face going in. And I do understand that. I've met a lot of teachers like that. But what I will say is some of these teachers mean well, but children are not silly. And they know if you're anxious and they pick up on that anxiety, especially autistic children. They're very intuitive, which is what people don't seem to realise. Your anxieties will be echoed and will trigger them. And also, I think what people don't realise is that they also know if you don't like them. And I do sadly think that was the case in, in some of these situations. 
it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Milton Hall are opening their doors to Marie Gentles, a behavioural expert who has spent 10 years working with excluded children. What did you do that hurt somebody? Nothing. Well done for being honest. We have a national crisis on our hands in regards to behaviour and exclusions are not the answer. While her teacher right, the referral unit, Marie developed a pioneering approach to managing behaviour within schools. Yeah. This is what we're going to learn to do together. Not just this alone, we're going to do other stuff, but this is what we're going to start with. Milton Hall have asked Marie to work with their most challenging pupils. We need to change their story. Good morning. Some of some of these scenes I will cut because they're just like transitioning and that kind of thing, which obviously are difficult for a lot of children. Six-year-old Oscar has been removed from class four times since the start of term. And everybody's me. When you this, we'll go out for one about. Put your pencil out of your mouth, please. On two occasions. So. A child is struggling, Oscar, to sit in his seat. When you've done this, we'll go out. He's got the conflicting sound of the children around him, the teacher's instructions, a task at hand. He's then put a pencil in his mouth. To me, I could, again, could be reading into things, but I'm just, I'm seeing him as my son. He looks like he is physically unable to sit still in that seat. And, you know, maybe rather than saying, do this and then go outside, maybe they could do something there and then or get him out while he's showing that behaviour to help him regulate and to maybe give him a movement break. Now, there's a lot of um, contradicting theories I've heard about this. Um, apparently, if you don't do a movement break for at least 15 minutes, it can actually dysregulate somebody. So just going outside for five minutes isn't going to be enough. And obviously, that's disruptive you know, to the lesson for the child and that kind of thing. I know it's not that straightforward, and I've, I've been a teacher, so I do understand that. But those signs are showing me that he's not really engaged in that task. Now, what I used to do with children like him is I'd be like, right, stand up. And I'd say, right, one minute, jog on the spot. I'd give them things to do. Or heavy lifting, some proprioceptive input to kind of get the, they call it heavy work, actually. And, you know, to get the muscles moving. Um, you can do all sorts of things like putting things on their chairs and resistant, resistance bands around the chairs, fidget toys. There's so many things you can do. I know that a lot of it is trial and error, but already I'm agitated because this child, you know, is being asked to sit and do something. Another tip I was actually given by a behavioural support um, person, can't actually remember what their role was, um, but they came to the school once because I had very challenging classes and one in particular I needed a bit of help with, which, you know, I'm not ashamed of at all. And um, they were very, very uh, <laughs> vibrant bunch, but they actually said to me, actually put like a green or a colour and put a little star how many lines down the page you need them to get to so that it's not overwhelming for them and they can see okay I want one sentence or two lines or again you have to adapt that to whatever task you're doing but there are just so many things you can do and this child he can't help it 
And my, my youngest is the exact same. His behaviour has led to him being sent home in what is called a fixed term. And the more dysregulated he gets, the more he moves and fidgets. He just can't help it. <laughs> He's writing on the board. <laughs> Oscar is a really bright boy. Can everybody see that? The different thing about Oscar is there is no trigger for his outburst. Oh, interesting. So what's interesting about Oscar is there's no trigger for his outbursts. Again, do you know what? That is such a common misconception. You might not know what the trigger is, but there is always a trigger. And um, actually something I learned through the PDA Society was about the Coke can effect. I'd heard it described in so many different ways. The Coke can is my favourite because it's talking about every single thing that is escalating the child. It could be sensory environment. It could be something that's happened. It could be anxiety. There's just a number of things that can contribute to this. And when the Coke can is, sh is shaken, obviously everything's fizzing inside. On the outside, it looks absolutely fine, but inside it's bubbling. And that is exactly what is happening with this child. So they're not seeing what the triggers are, but it could even be he's coming, you know, he's had a difficult morning trans transitioning into school. He's had a teacher telling him, sit still, don't do that, get on with your work. He's had a teacher, um, you know, expecting things from him. He's had a lot of negativity. He's picking up on the anxiety from the teacher who's openly admitted that she cries before she comes in. Those things are going to have an effect. There is definitely a trigger. It's not like you can see a pattern. Not like you can see a pattern. Then maybe you need to actually record everything. And that could be um, PDA, couldn't it? If, if he is autistic, which they don't visit here at all, um, and he does meet the profile of PDA, that's very common. That's a characteristic. It's the zero to 100, and seemingly it comes from nowhere. Even the way he walks around the class, comes up to the board. Oscar, stop. I'm going to comment on this. I'm sorry, we're not getting through this show because I've got so much to say. Okay. The other thing we've got is a teacher modelling to the class how to perceive that child. I'm sorry, teacher. I know you mean well and I know things improve over the duration of the show. But I had a child who was really, really quite challenging. And he came into my class two weeks after we'd um, established our new classroom and everything changed. The dynamic completely changed. He'd been expelled from three schools and nobody knew he had a lot of issues and a lot of difficulties. It actually, I'm not trying to big myself up here, but this is what I'm trying to explain to you. You as a teacher, yes, your job is to teach, but that's not your only responsibility. I watched that child. I built a relationship and some trust with him. And I really did study his triggers and study his behaviours. And there were things he did I did not understand. And I had to go on Google and just, you know, type things in like hitting himself on the head with books, making loud noises, squeezing himself into tight spaces. Um, I was told he was naughty and I was actually apologised to for him having to go into my class. As you'll probably imagine, I wound up having such a beautiful relationship with this child as I did with all of my class. And he wasn't naughty. He was a lovely little boy who was totally misunderstood. His needs were completely unmet. And he wound up actually being autistic, having sensory processing disorder and having ADHD and dyspraxia. And they are the only things that um, I know about. There could have been other things moving forward when I was no longer teaching in that school. Um, but it really frustrates me. The point I'm making is the teacher is so, so important. 
if I modelled to those children that I found him an inconvenience, that is exactly how they would treat him. And I had children say he got special treatment when I sent him outside for his movement breaks. I mean, I was a big fan of them for the whole class, so we did them anyway. But yes, he did sometimes need that bit of extra support. And what I explained to the children time and time again was that every single one of them had needs in some way. And I would help them with those needs, whether it be reading or writing or maths. You know, I was there to help them. If they had a problem, I was there to help them. And this child needed help with relationships. He needed help with regulation, just so many things. And that that was what I was providing him with. And to me, that was more important than academia. But again, I actually had parents complaining about him when he first joined my class because the children, oh, he's so naughty, he's disrupting our lessons. Any parent has a right to feel frustrated about that. Absolutely. But the actual crux of the matter is he wasn't doing it on purpose, he wasn't naughty, and he needed support and help as well. And so many people have said, well, he shouldn't be in a mainstream classroom. Sadly, there aren't a lot of specialist places. Some children like him, for some reason, don't meet the criteria. And actually, I proved he was fine in mainstream, but we just needed to put some things in place to help him. But the biggest thing that you can offer is, again, building those relationships, building that trust, And I never treated him like an inconvenience. When he did disrupt the lesson with a noise, I'd make a joke of it. The children began to warm towards him. You show compassion, you model compassion, and they will will echo that. That's what I noticed when I was a teacher, is that the stuff, the energy you put out, they kind of like mimic back at you. And I used to hear them using my words and my phrases and all of that kind of thing all the time and about spotting people being kind and they do it with each other and that's probably the thing I'm most proud of from my teaching days but again this child in this class has already been singled out as a problem they are treating him like like an inconvenience even if it's not consciously done and that is what the other children are going to pick up on I want to run this and this is a deal. You run, you come back, you sit down. Yeah, that's cool. Let him have a bit of a movement break. (laughs) He needed that. And that's brilliant. That's a brilliant example of giving him that freedom. He knew that he needed that break and they actually allowed it. Well done them. Sometimes they will... It's a battle of the wills. Knocking furniture over, throwing things. Yep. Without knowing why. And with no triggers. No triggers again. So he's, he's, you know, spitting, hitting, throwing things. He's stood up at the moment just shouting in the classroom. He looks like he's having sensory overload. important point there my my son does this too so he might go up from like zero to ten and down to nine up to ten down to nine coke can absolutely it's always going to be bubbling and no I find that with my son that he doesn't actually ever settle he might appear on the surface absolutely fine but it's bubbling there and it takes nothing to escalate him straight back up again bless him he just hit himself on the head there he's lolling on the table you know, this isn't a typical, this isn't typical behaviour. How it, nobody has flagged him up as being different at this stage is beyond me. He's skipping around the classroom. As 
Oscar's behaviour escalates, the decision is taken to remove him from class and send him to the deputy head teacher, Tom Spud. I'm stopping here again, I'm sorry. We are like literally five minutes and 47 seconds in. Straight away, his behaviour is escalating. He's being sent to the deputy head teacher because he's struggling to sit down, because he's clearly having difficulties being in that classroom environment. Why does it always have to be a punishment? Why can't somebody... It appears that there are two other adults in that room. No one could take him aside? <sighs> just crazy. Thanks. It absolutely has been the right decisions when he has been excluded, just because the other children in the class... You know, they, they say things like, Miss Bailey, make it stop, make it stop, because they've seen him having his rages and throwing things and trying to hurt me. They must be scared when that happens. I can totally understand what she's saying. It's scary. Sorry. It is scary. I have been attacked by children. I have, you know, and you do have to keep the rest of the class safe. And we've had to evacuate classrooms. We've had chairs being thrown, tables being knocked over, all kinds of things from children who are dysregulated. Um, but to me, what saddens me is it's right, he was excluded. It's just such a shame, isn't it, that nobody, nobody at this stage is flagging up that this child needs support, that there's a reason this behaviour is happening. He's clearly not just naughty. Not that I believe in children just being naughty anyway, but that's what people label them as. I find this so emotional. Right. Do you remember our conversation yesterday, Oscar? What did we say we were going to try to do? Try to, to sure do. That we were doing the right thing. Yeah, but he's not, not trying. He can't do it. So you had to switch to your good brain, didn't you? Yeah, um, do you know his mannerisms are yeah. just my child. I cannot believe and it. Sure to listen. I don't want to be here. Too much of a demand. Changing the subject. But we can only have you in class if you're doing the right thing to keep yourself safe and keep everybody else safe. That sounds like my son too. That's exactly the noise he makes. It's anxiety. I do want to stop and just say I'm guilty of this with my son when he makes that noise because I'm um, autistic and I have auditory sensitivity. I really struggle when he does that noise and it's the one thing I'll put my hands up to and say I struggle with. When he, when he screeches and, and does that noise that this child just did, it can come across as though they're just being really angry and aggressive. But what you've got to try and do is calm yourself down, which admittedly the deputy head is very calm, but they're not understanding the underlying issues there at all. And I do feel frustrated. And um, that that is not him actually being angry. He's frustrated. He's confused. He obviously doesn't really know how to regulate, how to communicate, how to identify his feelings. And he feels trapped and in an impossible situation because he's doing all the wrong things. He doesn't know how to do the right things. He doesn't know. You know he's not purposely doing this. It's just really clear. Yes, he has had external experience before for dangerous behaviour that puts himself and other children at risk. So yeah, he, he, he could be. I'll go get class, that's it. And that's exactly what my son does as well. He will tell you what he's doing, but really, he knows it's not happening. And that's anxiety and that's defensiveness. 
um, talking. And sometimes, admittedly, and we've been told this, it's actually been backed up by experts, doesn't always make the connection. They don't make the connection between the cause and the consequence. And they don't really understand why they're going through this experience. It's, it's scary. It's a scary time for them too. At the moment, he has got an angry face. He's got children walking past the classroom. He's got the deputy head blocking the doorway so the child's trapped in a room. I understand why they're doing it because they don't want him just running out of the room and, you know, running around the school, which did happen in some of the schools I was in. I get the reasoning behind it, but try and get into the psychology of that child. He's being told no. You are not going back into your classroom. He's not fully understanding why. He doesn't want to be where he is. He feels trapped. He feels helpless. And now he's being actually physically blocked into a cage. Really. Oscar was unable to calm down. He spent the rest of the day away from his class. We get rid of the smelly sniff sniff. Milton Hall have three stages of exclusion. The first is exclusion from class. Then they move to fixed term, where children are kept at home. So removal from class, exclusion. he's in a room. It's meant to be like some kind of calming Welcome space, but it's used as like a punishment space and he's not with any of his peers. So what could they do, I hear you ask. Do you know what I used to do? I used to create a buddy system. So the child I was talking about earlier, I, you know, and again, some people will say, well, it's not fair on that child, but... One-to-one, -one, they tend to be more successful than they do sticking them into a whole group of children because it's too much for them. So I used to kind of let them pick somebody and they'd get to do a special game. They'd build relationships slowly and build up that security with other children. And then those children get to see that actually this is a nice child and they are really calm and lovely and kind and I can have a relationship with them. And then you find that, again, that naturally helps the child and the other children to create relationships you can't throw children like this into that setting it's just too much for them it's now been given a fixed term exclusion and we'll spend two days at home i bet the teacher's relieved for two days oh wow emotive stuff this isn't it oh my gosh you need to take it you only have to read 200 pages in two weeks yeah Oh, okay, Marie Gentles, the I know expert. I children because my mum was a foster carer for many years, so I was brought up in a really large extended family that's really caring and loving, and children are at the centre of that. I do believe, by the way, that this lady really has got the but children the at the heart unit, of everything she does. And I thought Some of the stuff is off. When a child is excluded, the young person's left feeling rejected. I can't do it. What's wrong with me? And that becomes their identity. I so agree with her. Damaging. She's definitely got the theory. Most of the time, it's felt Correct. by the school that they've tried a number of strategies that haven't worked and they're at their wits end. They don't know what else to do. It's about looking at it from a different perspective. I'm stopping it because what I find so interesting is she's got a slide up saying behaviour is communication. She understands all the theory and actually I did look at a couple of videos on the BBC of her talking more extensively and she clearly does have the psychology. She has an understanding of it but what frustrates me is again 
some of the things she puts into practice completely to me are baffling because they go against it and again it's editing possibly you know I think she's had a lot of backlash online you can see that she's got the care and she's got the theory um I just don't think some of the application is quite right but then on the other hand I'm not put on a show where I'm not responsible for the editing so I'm really fully aware that this might not be completely fitting to actually what her ability is but you know she says behavior is communication and you've got to understand that you know that that is the kind of core for the children and that kind of thing and um there's obviously underlying unmet needs so she is aware of that but some of the things that are done which we'll go into just don't seem to echo that at all behavior so children can stay in school that is really really important Almost 30,000 children in primary schools were given fixed term exclusions in 2018 to 2019. Wow. And more than 500 children were permanently excluded before they reached their eighth birthday. No school in the country is going to tell you that the behaviour is absolutely perfect. We're not a perfect school and we haven't got a perfect system. At least they acknowledge that. Again, you're not seeing the whole thing here, but use a quiet voice. Model the quiet voice. I used to find that one of the most effective things, if they were getting a bit noisy, was rather than try and go over their noise, was I'd do things like put on an accent, like, oh my gosh, everybody, like, why are you making such a noise? I can't even believe it. I can't even hear myself think. Like, I'm trying to get on with this lesson and, like, nobody is even paying any attention to me, you know? You know what I mean? And then they look at you and then all of a sudden they're like shocked. Or there was something I saw on Teachers TV years ago and it was a strategy of kind of going, oh, making this big dramatic noise or pretending to be crying or something. And be like, ha, I got your attention. Or you can do things where you start touching your nose, head, some children then start mimicking you. They, you'll have the odd one that catches you. And then that kind of um, waves throughout the classroom and you naturally get the quiet back in the room and the calm and then you can continue. Um, and what was the other one? The whispering, like I said. I used to sometimes say, right, if anybody can hear me whispering, can you put your fingers on your nose? If anybody can hear me whispering, then maybe you could come and sit on the carpet with me. That's right, well done, thank you for listening, come and sit with me, that's brilliant. Oh, I wonder if anybody else will join us. And then very, very slowly, the whole class, the noise comes down, the calm is restored, and then you can go, right, everybody, let's go back to our seats and let's continue with our lesson. Um... You know, I know it's hard work. It's draining being a teacher because you're constantly having to do this all day. I used to call it whack-a-mole. That game where you have to keep hitting the mole is whack-a-mole. That's exactly what it is, especially when you have classes full of challenge behaviour, which I did. Um, at one point, I had a class of 32, 17 had IEPs, and they weren't the only children with needs. They were just the ones that had the IEPs, uh, so the in individual education plan. Um, and... But we had a lot of socio-economic factors. We had a lot of behavioural issues. We had, obviously, special educational needs and disabilities. There were so many contexts and factors to take into consideration. And what I actually found was, you know, applying these approaches to every single child into that whole classroom dynamic rather than, you know, singling out specific children was really, really effective. She's there all the time. 
Milton Hall spend over £200,000 a year on a pastoral unit to manage the emotional and behavioural issues of their most challenging students. It's called The Nest. The Nest. I think that's a lovely idea in theory. This lady's lovely. Can't fault her. Sometimes children come in here because they've been fighting. Sometimes children come in here because something has um, happened in the classroom and they are being dangerous. There's only so much I can ignore. It's been like this all morning. It can make it feel like we're firefighting. Don't have time to put child on the fence there. <laughs> this is all too familiar. <laughs> My word. So it says, I would like you so when we talk about the features, there's a child chanting, boring, boring. He's not wrong, <laughs> to be fair. Sorry, he's okay. not. When we're talking about the features of something, he's now banging something against the table. Swinging on the chair, looks like he's on a teacher's chair. Jack is a boy in my class that I've only met this year in September. Kind of does these behaviours that you can't help but acknowledge. You can't help but acknowledge, it's true. He's just chucked a whiteboard on the floor, he's just pushed it off the table. He can be quite distressed and can become quite upset. What's making you feel this way? What's making you feel this way? Do you want to write it down instead? I'd rather die than tell you. Okay, I'm stopping it there because there's a couple of things already. He clearly is dysregulated. He's not in a place for words and talking. Have I made those mistakes myself? Absolutely. I'm not going to be hypocritical. I've definitely done things wrong in my time. And I still continue to with my own children. When you are actually sometimes drained yourself, you don't always make the right decisions. What I will say of this teacher, you can see she's exasperated. You can see she's broken. But you can see she really, really wants to, to do well by him. She just doesn't know how. Um, but this child at this point, you know, there's a reason he's behaving like this. And again, I think that he's got hidden, if, if, if it hasn't been flagged up again, the show has not actually specified. But he has definitely got send. And um, I just don't think his needs are being met at all. And this again actually just kind of reflects how flawed our system is schools aren't really recognizing what the issues are we're relying on schools and gps to refer these children into the system of being able to be assessed and diagnosed but obviously that whole system is completely flawed and i'm not even going into that in this one but it, it just enrages me how many children are being let down if we could get in with the supports early we wouldn't end up with the number of issues that we have as they get older um, and there was another thing I was going to say, but again, coming back to the relationships and trust building, to be honest, he obviously doesn't have that with his teacher at this point, And it might well be he's picking up on her anxiety and her like agitation, it, although she means well. Just ignore it. So again, what is that modelling to the other children? Just ignore it. It's, there was a there was a point a moment ago where he's at the table slumped over it and you've got adults standing over him or ignoring him and walking away like where is the adult to go um like you know come on now jack do you want to come and have a talk with me or jack let's go do this or you know getting down on his level and you know not even like she said drawing it is absolutely fine but model it 
Like maybe you sit and you draw like a, a sad face and you kind of push it towards him or there are just so many things you can do. And again, it's not easy. But if you have got the privilege of another adult in your classroom, and at one point I had two because my my children were quite challenging. So I was very privileged. I didn't have them all the time, but I had them for certain parts of the day. Um, I think, again, another thing is utilising, uh, is, is building the relationship with your support assistant as well so that you are a team and you are a family as a class, and you tackle these things together. And I'm really, really passionate about that, to be honest. Um, Where was the intervention? Could someone not really just spare a few moments to go and say, I can see that you're feeling, because he might not actually understand how he's feeling. And a a lot of our children with special needs do have that issue. My children both have that problem. And I've been doing emotional regulation work and emotion labeling with them since they were tiny. And they still have difficulties and they still identify things incorrectly. Um, But we just need to keep building on that work. Eight-year-old Jack's behaviour. He's now in the corner of a room punching a wall. He finds it difficult to express himself in the classroom. And his behaviours range from aggression to... Right, Jack, sit up. He's lying on like a cushion in the tiny corner that they've got with a few cushions in and... Can I also say something like the classroom setups for me also are a bit chaotic and I think I would struggle even as a teacher in that environment. Stress. Can I just see you a little bit? He's hiding behind a cushion. I don't have anyone else in here that Can I see you a little bit? He is the one that will take up a lot of the time and energy. And then she's just said something else that's really frustrated me actually. I don't see anyone else that exhibits these behaviours. Well, so you've got one child in your class exhibiting this. One child. And you're struggling as a classroom and as a school to deal with the behaviours of one child in one classroom. The schools I worked in, we had so many more children. And maybe that's why we, we applied the things we did across the board. Maybe that's why it was more successful for everybody. I think that maybe the problem in some schools is they are doing it, you know, as, as though well, we've got this one kid that's different. And they're not really thinking about best practice and how it could um, be better for everybody. He's out in the hallway. His year four teacher, Jade Rustell, is recently qualified. And is in her... So she's like over him, like, I can't be out here all day because I've got a class to teach. She's stressed. I don't blame her. It's so, so difficult. He's picking up on that energy. He's out in the hallway crying. I'm probably going to cry again because it really upsets me. I feel so sorry for these children. I'm really sorry. Okay. But it it does bother me because, you know, people can keep saying, well, why are you being so sympathetic towards the children who are disruptive? But there's a reason they're like that. They're struggling. Why is it people are so quick to label and to be impatient and unkind? It's just so horrible. I don't like it second year of teaching at Milton Hall. And also being an NQT doesn't mean that you're less capable either, by the way. It could be every single day, every lesson, and it can vary from just shouting to just being like refusing to do things, or it can be, you know, throwing furniture, hurting himself, knocking, you know, things over. He's got unmet knees, so hasn't he? I think that's a bit that I'm struggling with the most, is that I don't know what's going to happen when. How has he not been flagged up? How is he not being assessed? I just can't understand. Today, the class have been evacuated due to Jack's behaviour becoming dangerous. I can hear that you're quite upset about something. And I'm here to help. 
You remember what happened? Not telling you. Not telling you. That's what my children I are think like. Sometimes <laughs> children get themselves into a situation that they don't really know how to get themselves out of. Yeah. Obviously, we don't really see the build up, we kind of see the aftermath. Um, I think he's been hitting his head with the ruler when we went up the table, didn't we? So I think he might have been a little bit dangerous at the table. This lady's nice. I like her demeanour. So could you maybe model some different ways of communicating? Figure out what's going on to help you in the future when you're feeling a bit cross about something that you can find other ways. Mm. Kind of to deal with that. So this doesn't happen. You don't feel like this. Because it's awful to feel like this. Sometimes we do get to a point where we do feel a bit stuck and feel that we're you know almost letting that child down because they're trying to tell us something but we're not. We're finding it hard to unpick what it is. I just love her attitude. I just love her attitude. You see him? It'd be really good almost to have like a helpline to say, these are the behaviours you're seeing with this child, this is what we know about this child, do you have any other suggestions? Um, that would actually be really useful. What I loved about this bit is she joins in the game with him. Jack has been excluded from class three. So... You know, he's not just left. What you will see in this show is a lot of the time these children become very isolated. And what she does is she's not pushing him anymore to keep talking or to try and explain. But she's just being there and she's just connecting with him. And when they're doing the task on the field, they're like playing a, a PE game or a class game. And he's immediately accepted and included by her. Like the other children, there's no effort from the class teacher or the other children or you know, the class teacher modelling to the other children, like, oh, Jack, oh, we're so pleased you've come back to join us. And there's just none of that. I understand, again, people will say, well, he's just disrupted a lesson. They've had to evacuate the classroom. Why should they be like that? But that child is going to feel rejected and isolated. He's going to have low self-esteem. He's going to have low confidence. And you need to make him feel like he belongs. And the only person I can see doing that at the moment is her. And she's, you know, she's down there. She's actually making contact with him essentially and I just I just think it's really sad like how are people missing these really obvious things and do you know what I'm actually going to go further to say as a teacher you should naturally just have that in you surely surely you should just naturally I mean there's me the autistic teacher who people you know say that when you're autistic you have no empathy and it's just ridiculous I wasn't taught this stuff and disruptive behavior he is now at risk of being permanently excluded. He's just sat on his knees in the middle of the field, face in his hands, alone. How must he feel? No wonder he's having a bad time and isn't isn't performing well at school with his behaviour. That is a broken child. And and uh, they will go into this more soon, but he doesn't exhibit this behaviour at home. He's exhausted all of their resources to keep children in school, and, it, and it's not working. really interesting to see different levels of behaviour at Milton Hall, what they're doing and how they're doing it currently and then what needs to be done. When you know how to put these practices and these techniques in place, it works for every single child, every single time. <coughs> I'm stopping that there. When you put these things into place, it works for every single child, every single time. That is such a big claim, isn't it? 
I can absolutely tell you those strategies will not work long, ter- long term for a lot of these children. And how do I know? Because I've actually been in that job and I've worked with children who have got a lot of these behaviours, including my own two. And believe me, especially for PDA children, novelty works wonders, which is, I think, what she's experiencing in this, in this episode. Novelty works wonders, but it doesn't mean it will work consistently. And I'm just really frustrated by that statement. There is no one-size-fits-all solution because every child is actually different, and particularly when you have children with needs. And the reason is because each child has a spiky profile, essentially, which is what we talk about in the autism world. You have a spiky profile of different, um, different strengths, different difficulties, and also um, your skill gaps are different. Like, my children have skill gaps. And what that means is they might look strong in some areas, but there are things where they are not developing at the same rate as their peers. They might develop differently or they might not develop those things at all. But we try our best to try and fill those those gaps. So that's why I just don't believe in that statement. When you have children who are not all developmentally the same, how can it work for them all? No, I don't accept that at all. Has she taught every single different kind of child? Big statement, don't like that at all. I'm so sorry, I'm interrupting again. It also agitates me, like with autistic children. Oh yes, they're autistic. Let's go to the autistic box. Let's go and tick off of the list of the autistic box of things to do. Pecs, not every child needs that. Now a next board, not every child needs that. Visual timetable actually creates anxiety for my children because they get overwhelmed with the demand that's coming because, you know, they have pathological demand avoidance and they're, they're anxious. It just frustrates me that yet again, we've got this same approach of, let's just say, oh, they're autistic. This is what we do for autistic children. Oh, they're a child. This is what we do for children. Nope. Traveling to be in the classroom, it's quite a nice space for them to calm down in, reduces a little bit of consequence for them sometimes. But to be honest, it's more a case of what we don't do in here because there's just so much that can go on in here. Yeah. Yeah. Marie's main focus will be the children that the nest are struggling to keep in school. Some of these children have had behavioural plans for many years and the fundamental issues are still unresolved. I also just feel how bad the families must feel too. Children start to be a little bit dangerous. The anger, it seems to be coming from struggling with a lot of the emotions that he doesn't understand. That he wasn't picking out at us, he was trying to carry on hurting himself. Hurting himself, sat on a bench, eating lunch by himself, watching other children play, isolated. Where? Where is the intervention here? Got to make it really clear. Yes, I know some children appear to like to be on their own time and space and that kind of thing. And I actually sometimes liked being on my own when I was when I was at you know playtime because I struggled with the interactions with the other children. But if you were to have asked me and so many other autistic children or children like Jack, who, you know, I don't know, he's autistic, but it's just he's ticking a lot of boxes for me. Um, If you were to ask them, do you actually want to play with these children? Yes, the answer would be yes. They just don't know how to go about doing it. So again, buddy systems and just so many things you can do. There should be no child sat on a bench, lonely, and you've got adults out there patrolling and... You know, if it really comes down to it, do what I used to do. And I used to go and get that child 
okay? Because I wouldn't just stand chatting with the other member of staff. I'd get the child and be like, would you like to come play a game with me? And then we'd go play a game and then other children gravitate and that child's involved. That child's included. Guys, we don't talk about that. <laughs> oh, I actually say we don't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, he would actually say that. So I wanted to do this sort of thing with him. Mm-hmm. He just, just does not want to enter into that conversation. Sat on a bench again by he himself. Had three exclusions in this half term already. Facing away from the playground, so. What does that tell you about how he feels about himself? Is it if it's physical? Is that kind of the, the line? Yeah, it tends to be if they intentionally really hurt a member of staff yeah. or another child, or for example, if they've thrown a chair. So it's that dangerous behaviour. I don't think enough people understand the level that primary aged children's behaviour can get to. Marie is correct there. I was a primary school teacher and I always got told, oh, you're so lucky. That's before it gets difficult. (laughs) I have no idea at all. I actually was training to be a secondary English teacher. And the reason I switched to primary was literally because there was no space on any of the training providers for secondary. Um, I went and got some experience in the primary school and actually really enjoyed it. Um, I loved the fact that I was teaching all these different lessons and I just found it really exciting and I just loved the fact that you get these children from a really young age where all the things I've already talked about you know you get to really contribute to so much of that child's development it's not just academic and um, it was special but actually I always kind of had the view oh do you know what? I'll do my primary you know because there were places I'll do my primary um, qualification but I'll just go back up to secondary it never actually happened but people used to always say it was much easier. It's not true. The behaviour you get from young children is, is just as challenging. They are smaller, um, but it's just as challenging, especially where I worked, because we had such a high level of that behaviour. And um, yeah, and we don't just colour in all day, contrary to what people believe. In fact, some of the things I learned in year eight and nine at my secondary school, I was teaching to year three plus. So I think people need to kind of just update themselves, really. And the curriculum is, well, it needs a radical change, to be honest with you. And a decision to exclude permanently is a really, really, really difficult one. Jack is just disengaged, you know, flopping over his table, not sitting on his chair properly. There's a reason. Now we're back to Oscar. So Oscar is excluded for two days and he actually gets to see the school playground from his bedroom. So what a treat. Where Oscar was being sent home so much from school that I've had to give up work. Yep, that's also the reality. He gets to sit here, play with his toys, you know, instead of being in actual classroom doing his work. So Ozzy, do you know when you're allowed back in school? Oh, Monday. And you're not going to what? Get teacher. No. (laughs) You're not going to. Right, so again, you're not going to. That's clearly not working. Are people going to start seeing that these things they're consistently doing are not working? So now we need to start getting into, like, you know, what is causing the behaviour? Why is he feeling like this? What can we actually do to help him? How can we make this clear? in the classroom and in that setting, there has to be another way to communicate. And again, I just have to keep saying, he just reminds me of my youngest child, even the way he plays, the way he talks. I just, oh, feel for him. got to the bottom of it? What made you angry? I don't know. I don't know, that's what mine does. 
doesn't want to talk about it. Can't talk about it and probably doesn't know. Oscar started having uncontrollable outbursts when he was two years old. Same as mine, yeah. His mum and dad have found them very distressing. Yeah, this Oscar. is my son. Oscar, look at me. Yep, you know, just being quite aggressive and all over the place. Don't know what to do with themselves. And I do spend a lot of my time actually crying because yeah, I don't know that. why he's like it. I don't get the answers. What else was you doing? Shouting. He's such you a loving like little boy. He's just I like my little boy. So loving. I have a play date like a but just so yeah. challenged. You can in a minute, darling. Just talking, okay? Let's go for date days. Yep, stairgates everywhere, um, just like our house. The boy actually started crying. He's now pushing himself across the floor in his hands, so swinging off his bed. In the end, you've just been embarrassed, and I don't really want them to judge Oscar. I mean, he's a lovely little boy. Also, do you know, nothing's mentioned about special educational needs here, but all I can say is, if, if it hasn't been explored in any capacity, then his parents obviously are just naturally good at seeing what he needs because he's got like little wobble cushion things and I'm, I'm sure I saw later in the episode he has a trampoline and they're clearly providing things to help with his needs. Um, it's interesting how that's not actually addressed at all in the programme. What was happening two days of school like? Sad. Why was it sad? Because I am. Why? I just am. I just am. You can't Did articulate you his feelings. Yeah. So, how do you model feelings to a child? Um, I'm putting myself on the spot here. But for example, you might go, oh, you know, obviously you don't want to lead children either. Um, that's really important. But you might say, you might have pictures or you might say, Oh, do you know, I think if I wasn't able to go to school and I wanted to be there, I'd probably feel quite sad and upset, you know, but then we have to think about why you're not there and, you know, what can we do to help you so that blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, really bad on the spot example, but this just, sometimes I just don't understand why people repeat the same approach. My husband says it all the time. I think it's an Einstein quote. And he says insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And it's true. It's the first time that Marie will be observing Jack in the classroom. Okay, we'll do the times table, see if you can do it before my timer. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. Steady? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's easy. Oh, Tinker, that was very quick. Yes, Sean, well done. Who can I see? Who can I see? Okay, so Jack's up and out of his seat. <laughs> He's just up walking around. So it's under suppressing the behaviour by ignoring the lower level behaviours 
But what will happen is that will build and all of a sudden it will be like, oh, where did that behavior come from? It's actually, it's already started. It just hasn't been tackled. She is right there. There's a lot of low level beha behavior and, he's and it's not addressed. He's showing you already that he needs something. Because you're boring and you want us to be bored, he just said to the teacher. And she doesn't know how to respond. Oh dear, what would I have done? Probably made a joke. <laughs> be like, do you know what? It's a fair point. But sadly, there are some lessons that I try and make them as exciting as possible. But there are some like this that we just have to learn it. I'm afraid I'll try and make it more exciting next time, I promise. Or, well, can you think of a way we could make it more exciting? I don't know. Just Or just laugh. Just, you know, not encouraging them. I know. Keep standing up, this child. You know, this is a child who's struggling. He's not being naughty. The siege and actually what his behaviour is communicating. He wants the boundaries to be there. See, interesting, because that's not my take. I'm going to keep doing this behaviour and I'm going to keep escalating because I want the boundary to be there. I know she means on a subconscious level. I get that. But I don't think that's it. I think it's actually very, very different. This is where I'm coming from a different headspace to her. Mine is, he actually isn't... He can't control that behaviour. It's not about he wants a boundary there. You as the teacher, you as the adult in that environment should be, you know, um, doing pattern recognition. You should be doing everything you can to help him manage those behaviours. And if, and again, if that means, you know, movement breaks or short tasks and a little relief, you know, um, again, very on the spot here. There are just so many things you could do. But I just don't understand that at all. I don't understand that logic. Unless she's worded it in a different way and means the same thing as me. I find it strange. Would you say that he has a friend? No, I can't say no. there's one person he's, particularly that he really gets along he's with. He's on his own. So he's in the he's in the on the field and he's on his own, he's kicking dirt and no child's interacting with him. But again, where's the adult in this situation? Where is the adult modelling this? Where is the adult intervening and taking charge? It's so interesting watching him because he's walking around like with his head down, but he keeps glancing over to you. It's almost like he wants you to notice that yeah. he's not happy. He does. He needs someone. He needs help. He just doesn't know how to ask for it. Like, seriously, it's obvious. The bugs live under here. We need to look after them. Oh, no, the bugs live under here. We need to look after them. I get that she's trying to go in with a positive instead of all stop kicking the dirt. She's going, oh, Jack, did you know that bugs live under here? Like, we need to look after them. I just, I get that she's trying to be positive, but everything is negative to him. Everything he's doing is wrong. He's just constantly being criticised in his mind and rejected. Look, there's a worm under there. And he moves away. He's got a bit of an ambivalent attachment with Jay. He walks away and she just watches him walk away. Wow. Helpful. He exaggerated his behaviour to draw her back in, but then now he's back in control because he's then walked away from her. He is. But I'm sorry, Marie, I disagree that he's thinking that there's any conscious, you know, kind of cognitive action behind this. I don't think he's thought, right, I'm going to walk away. I think he's walking away because he can't handle another rejection. He can't handle that he's just basically been told not to do something. Nobody's gone up to him with nurture or understanding or, oh, Jack, would you like to come and play this? Nobody's redirected him. Again, you know, it just frustrates me that this is, this is what we're promoting to, to do with children. 
Let's actually treat them like human beings, shall we? Let's think about the feelings beneath it all, shall we? The first step when supporting children to feel safe is to form an attachment with the child. Very true, Marie, I agree with you there. That feels safe to that child. And that's the foundation that we need to begin to moderate behaviour. Moderate behaviour. Sorry, I've got to stop it again. So, to me, it feels like this show is all about behaviour and correcting behaviour. And although she acknowledges there's underlying need, really the outcome is get the behaviour better, not make sure the child is actually psychologically better. Just make sure the behaviour is better so that they fit better into the classroom environment and they're less of an inconvenience to the teacher, basically. Observing you and Jack, he's very, very attached to you. So at the moment, he's either you know, literally stuck next to you, watching you everywhere, or he's like glaring at you. What we need to do with the attachment is make sure it's really healthy, so that he can feel emotionally safe enough to change his behaviours. Hmm. How do you feel that at the end of an afternoon, he has what we will call attachment time with you, 10 minutes? I think that's a lovely idea. His confidence will go up. Everything for you True. and for him and for your class will start to feel better. It, honestly, it really will. The final thing is a bit of language. It's so simple. A lot of the time we say to uh, a child, uh, can you p put your book away, please? Mm. Uh, when we say please, it's a request, and the child has time to uh, yeah. be like, why shan't I? And it's just changing the end of that sentence. Put your do you know what's really, really funny is um, when I was teaching, somebody told me that because I remember saying, oh, could you put your ruler down, please? And they're like, no, I'm all right, thanks. And I remember another teacher saying, if you actually use thank you at the end, you're expecting it from them. And I did do that from then on. So, but it does crack me up because you watch these things and I've had people online, you know, go, oh my gosh, that's revolutionary, but it's, it's already out there. And I'm so surprised it's not being used more widespread. I came across that when I was an NQT, so that's a newly qualified teacher. So that's quite shocking. Many years ago. Your book away, Jack, thank you. Because when we say thank you, it becomes an expectation. The child follows there the you instruction go. quicker than if you put please at the end. Just, that's such a simple Still depends on the child. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, don't I? PDA is demand avoidance <laughs> might not work. These are all my robots. This not being stereotypical at all but this child is really into his lego and building these two can shoot oh i hit you in the hair cool not hitting them in the hair i have a phone call from cool shooters saying jack has done this he's disrupted the class we've had to like evacuate the class they said there could be a point where he'd have to leave the school so now i'm like thinking this isn't my child when I'm at home, I have a different Jack. He's like a little angel. Yeah. I can't understand what happens when I'm dropping him off at school and then he's like that. It's so confusing. How are you finding school? It's fine. What about exclusions? Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. How bad hmm. 
and, and then it starts to get my mind and then, then it makes me think, well, maybe I am bad. Maybe I am bad, again. You know, there's been a lot of debate on my page recently over, like, parenting and saying that a child is bad and naughty and you know, what we used to do when I was teaching was try and separate the behaviour from the child. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that sometimes people are exhibiting behaviour that's not desirable. And um, when I was teaching, it used to be about the choices. And even when I was um, a first-time parent, it used to be about, you know, you're not making the right choice. Come on now, use your words. And that did become a bit habitual. And I've had to try and kind of step away from that because actually it's so evident a lot of these children are not making choices. And again, by saying you're making the wrong choice, make the right choice, you're kind of judging them as a person. Now, some people think this is pandering in cotton wool society. We know so much more about psychology now. There's no excuse to, you know, say the things that people used to believe. And I will not actually enter an argument with those individuals. They clearly don't get it and don't want to. I get told that, oh, you know, the thing that went wrong with parents and schools is that they're not allowed to smack their children anymore. If they could smack the children and corporal punishment, we wouldn't have any of this nonsense. Well, as a teacher who's actually taught a lot of children with a lot of needs and has done it in the ways I've described and created really good relationships and had wonderful classroom environments and actually made academic progress on the back of that and did that consistently year upon year, and actually every year was given by the head teacher what was deemed as the challenging class so that, you know, we could turn things around for these children. Um, one of them in particular I took over, I was teacher number seven and then I had a job in another school and then I came back at teacher number 14. That's how many teachers they went through. I've, I've proven that these things work. So it's not me trying to float my own boat or be arrogant whatsoever. I just get frustrated by some of these old-fashioned, out-of-date views when these things are effective and those children have a much better self-image. You tell a child they're bad, there's no coming away from that. They actually start to identify as a really bad person who's chosen to do this. How are you supposed to then build their self-esteem and confidence? How are you supposed to make you know, them go through life feeling good about themselves and to actually want to engage in things like learning and developing and growing? You know, to me, it's common sense. Oscar's two-day exclusion is over. He's now back in school. Today, Marie will get her first look at his behaviour in the classroom. Here we go. Oscar? He's straight away saying to another child, I don't want you sitting next to me, shoo, go away. And then he's being aggressive and getting in her face to get her to leave, which isn't nice. My son does this. Has a, has a need for control, anxious. I believe this child is autistic with a profile of PDA. Appears more socially able than he really is. Everyone's continuing to do the same thing because they don't know what else to do. But the same reactions to the behaviour are going to get the same reaction. Absolutely. I agree with you there, Marie. The same reactions to the behaviour get the same result.
He's literally leaning over his chair. He clearly needs more support and the school need more support. Possibly an AHCP, but you know, we know that a lot of these things are like gold dust in our current system. He's now on the floor jumping around. My son does this. He's probably got ADHD as well. He wants to be in school and he wants to be in class, but his feelings are so overwhelming yeah. that in that moment he doesn't know how to respond to them. You are right, Marie. I agree. He's not understanding the impact of his behaviour on his surroundings. Of course not. Because he's not as socially aware as you all think he is. Absolutely have led to permanent exclusions. The rate of exclusions for five to six-year-olds in the UK has doubled in the last three years, and 89% of these exclusions were for boys. We want to be able to work with the parents, because if you're the parent and you don't understand, why a child is behaving in that way, how do you then make everyone else understand? Oh, I'm going to stop you there, though. What do you know you why? Like because straight away, you know, we're going to work with the parents. I thought, this is going well. This is brilliant. You really do need to collaborate with parents. By having that consistency between home and school and, you know, having a good working relationship, yes, that's how you help a child. But then she goes and says, because if a parent doesn't understand the behaviour... Now, I know in this case the parents are saying, I don't understand... But that's because somebody at this point should have flagged up that these children are clearly special needs children. In my opinion, I'll be absolutely shocked if after this that there isn't some kind of um, outreach to, you know, someone doesn't reach out to them to actually suggest that and then they go down that pathway. I'd be very intrigued to see any outcomes from this show later on. Um, but again, she's just assuming that the parents don't know straight away. And actually, do you know what is often the case? The parents do know. The parents are the ones who do the research and live with them and know them inside out and we're not listened to. That is normally the problem. And I'm going to admit, when I was a teacher, before I was a parent, I had a parent say to me, you shouldn't be allowed to be a teacher unless you are a parent. I still don't agree with that statement because I was a really good teacher without being a parent. But being a parent has given me a different insight. And obviously being a parent of special needs children has also given me another insight. Um, I feel I'd be even stronger in the classroom now. That's not to say I wasn't good at the time, but definitely. And I think what I'd have now more so is that empathy even more so for the parent. So I used to work with them, but I think I th I've said before, I'd probably be told off for being inappropriate because I'd probably want to hug the parents every five minutes, to be honest, because it is tough. This whole system is against you. And I, I believe personally it's to save money. They're not really worried about supporting the child. It's just to make sure that money is saved and they are not put on that pathway. And when they are, they just have to wait for years like we did with my eldest. And it's absolutely disgraceful, but that is for another discussion. Hi. He's a very angry child. Listen to parents, he's listen like to schools. And as soon as he comes through the door, he's exploded. And he actually doesn't know why. This is him. So she's just said about he comes through the door. She's actually said like a fizzy Coke bottle. So very similar to the can of Coke um, example I gave earlier. But he comes through the door and she doesn't know why, but he explodes. This is what my youngest child has always done and continues to do. We get within probably about half an hour of him coming in from school. And before that preschool, he will melt down. He'll be very heightened. 
And sometimes it might be that something's happened at school and when we get to the bottom of it, he's a bit happier. But sometimes there's no, you know, obvious reason. But a lot of children mask and people don't think that's a real thing. But a lot of children mask at school. And you might say, well, Oscar's not masking because he's at school, you know, jumping around and leaning over his chair. But I'm going to give you an example from my son. He's at school doing all of those things. You know, he's not sitting still. He's fidgety. I've been told that by the teacher who, by the way, is wonderful. She has an autistic son herself, which is probably why she's more in tune than most. Um, and we feel very, very thankful and very privileged for that. But he, we still have issues with transitions to and from school. And we still have the meltdowns after school. And it is because he's trying to hold it together and fit in. He's socially aware enough to know that, you know, people are giving him a funny look or that he's not going to have um, friends or fit in. And people think it's complete nonsense, but it's not at all. There are some times that he completely loses it because you cannot keep that up 24-7. It's absolutely impossible. And they have had some of these instances at school where he's tried to throw a chair and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the parent going, oh my gosh, I just don't know why. You're the safe space, you know, and, and people will try and make you feel that's not the case. They'll, I've had people say, no, he just knows he can get away with it with you. He can't get away with anything with me. But what he does know is that I'm understanding, I'm nurturing and I will put the effort and time in to actually find out what's going on and to just be there for him. And um, I, w I won't ever apologise for that, thank you. This is my son. And we all collect these videos as evidence because people don't believe us. Now, this is really interesting. This child puts his head into daddy's hands. Both of my children do this. It's obviously a sensory thing. It's obviously a pressure thing. It's regulating. And obviously they don't know that. But what annoys me is, well, listen to what Marie says is the cause, is the reason behind this behaviour. And I'll tell you the real reason. that he he calms down from it it means that he he likes the, the touch he likes the feeling so he likes the idea of physical containers making him feel emotionally he safe will up, he will come up to us and he will he'll just press his body against ours but yeah. i'm just like do you want to cuddle or he'll get a blanket yeah again um marie didn't actually say what i thought she was going to say there so apologies for that marie but um yeah, he does need that, but I still don't agree with the way you've worded it. But he clearly has a need for that compression and that pressure. And he needs that help to regulate. And um, that's why he's trying to get, you know, dad to kind of like push his head and, and to put his face into his hand. My children do the exact same thing. They seek out their sensory socks and their compression blankets and their weighted blankets. And, you know, it's very regulating for them. And um, again, what frustrates me is, again, they just keep going on about behaviour. At what point do people not see, like on here, that they have clear needs that I believe are coming from autism, essentially? Sensory needs as well. And he will scare himself in it. Yeah. You know, like when you swaddle up a baby yes. in a blanket, it's like that they get their comfort from it. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing for himself. And that's why he likes that feeling. Self-regulation. Oscar feels emotionally unsafe. But she to doesn't say it properly. Oscar needs to 
feel that he can fully trust the adults that's true him. i agree that with you trust that they can help him to feel emotionally safe he's not emotionally safe he's anxious i think he's got pda It's the end of the school day, and Jade is trying out Marie's attachment time strategy with Jack. Oh my goodness, look, it's got an eye on his neck. This is the Jack I love to see in my class. I know you get all embarrassed when I say that, but it's true. You know those times where you're not quite making the right choice? When you're not yeah, making the right choice, okay. And it sometimes it just happens and you don't realise it happens. Maybe not close. So when you're not making the right choice, you know, it just happens and you don't know it happens kind of thing. So she's trying to set, she's trying to separate it from him, but I still think the wording is wrong. It, you know, it's what I was taught to say back when I was teaching, as I said earlier, it's not really the correct language, is it? Is that choice? What, what child would choose to do that? She is right to acknowledge that he can't help it, but it's really interesting because he then tries to change the subject. He doesn't want to talk about it or he can't. Again, I just see a lot of demand avoidance in these children. I'm not saying they're all PDA, but definitely evidence of it. Stop. How could I help you? How could I help you? He doesn't really know. Is she wants to. I love what she does in a minute. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear it. Do you talk to No. I do talk to her, but not about my emotions. Emotions. It won't fit yours. It might not fit you. My head's not that big. No. What, what superpower does this give me? Um, the superpower it gives you is you're able to talk about how you feel. I feel extremely happy. I feel a little bit hungry as well, to be honest. So they've got like this um, Lego glasses, let's say, and she says, you know, these are going to give you the power to be able to talk about how you feel. I love that. That's just brilliant. I have to use that with my children all the time. I used to do it when I was teaching. You take it away from them and you take away that kind of pressure from them as an individual by using objects or toys, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's what she's done. And then she went one step further to actually model, like, oh, I feel like this. So he actually knows what's being asked of him. It doesn't mean he'll definitely be able to, you know, um, do it, but it's just a step in the right direction, in my opinion. He doesn't know. And then she uses sense of humour. She's spending some nice quality time with him, and it's so important and it's special. I love this bit. Keeping green all day. That means you know the traffic light system. He's got to try and keep on the green all day. That's not right for some children either. It just isn't. He's starting to gradually open. This is why your attachment with him is so important. You're modelling to him what a professional attachment looks like. Work you're doing now isn't just for now. This is prep for secondary school. Because if this behaviour was left to kind of escalate even further, it's very, very unlikely that he would even probably make it through year seven. You're right. So this is why we need... Has to Jay start early. Oh, 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 so why isn't oh. it? I just want to make we know sure all this. Yeah. Why is it not happening? Those days where he has a really bad day, I just think, what did I like? What have I missed? What do I not do? Kind of the up. Up. <laughs> you know, Jane, you are not going up. to like. 
because you've got that attachment, those sanctions and all and that. like the fact this teacher is reflective. All the nurturing and the praise, that's what's going to help him. Nine-year-old Olivia's behaviour first became a concern for her teachers three years ago. Let's go. I'm coming with you. Her feelings of let's go. Frustration oh, bless. I know she means well, but out of class. and she's losing hours of education. I arguably. I'm not going to lie and say I never played authoritarian because you know at times you do, and it's normally when you're at that point of exhaustion. We're like, right, come on now. We're doing this. No, you are doing that. And I'm not going to say I never did it. But generally, do you know what? I, I tried not to ad adopt that. Personally, partly because I didn't like it when I was growing up at all. Um, I'm a little bit aware if, you know, people are going to be forceful and do it in a rude way, then I'm. it will actually make me resist further. So, you know, it's just because I'm like that, I, I wouldn't ever impose that on other people because, again, that's double standards, isn't it? Really. Um, but I just think this child, again, um, you're going to hear more about her, Olivia, but she's, to me, again, I think she's just got clear special needs, and I think people are scared of her, and that's the impression I'm getting, and I think she's, again, picking up on the anxiety. She's quite a big girl compared to some of the other children, like, she's very tall, so I think she's quite intimidating presence, and I think they acknowledged that at some point in the show, um, but... I just don't think the approach is right with her at all. They have the most challenging class in the school. Right, guys, guys, can we please make sure we're being safe? Lydia Ellis is the head of year four and has been teaching at Milton Hall for five years. Who thinks that they know what the dilemma is? Um, When I first got these kids, I thought Olivia would be the easiest one for me to crack. Just, just go to her. Maybe saying the word crack is the wrong kind of intention, you know? I thought, I'm young, I'm a girl. Like, we'll probably, you know, like bond a little bit over that. But she's so up and down. She will come in, she'll stomp, she'll start punching walls. It just spirals and she can't bring it back. And her default emotion is anger. The United Kingdom is a political union between England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. If she gets angry, Olivia can choose to stop participating in the lesson and sit in the corner to calm down. You sit in the corner. <laughs> No one will come and check you're okay. Her strategy is to remove her from class. I she has got some things that I don't they don't really go into it, but I think that, you know, again, if they got it doesn't work for all children, but I know some children it does work for, like, you know, motion cards and ways to visually show someone how you're feeling without actually having to talk about it. And she's kind of just left in the corner of the room and she just looks so upset, angry and detached and not engaged. And you know, again, I just feel for her. And talk Olivia through how she's feeling. 
So I've taken Olivia to the nest. Something's happened. I'm angry. You're angry, okay? Why are you angry? She's got a yellow card. She's got a yellow card, so she's angry. No, it is. Again, we use a lot of these traffic lights in schools. Don't worry about outside. What about here? Um, to gauge, you know, if a child is behaving correctly or, you know, sometimes it's to gauge a noise level in the classroom. And you know they've been proven to like not work for a lot of children and to create more anxiety. Um, but I do understand from a classroom perspective, it is really hard to keep on top of all those things. Um, so, but there are a lot of different systems. Some people use actual noise monitors that make a sound if it gets too noisy. I mean, I can't imagine that would actually annoy me as the teacher. So I wouldn't cope with that at all. But there's a lot of different strategies in place. But again, do you know what I think? Yes, when I first started teaching, we did use a lot of this stuff, and I did as well, but I kind of stopped using it moving forward because it was really horrible, actually, moving a child's name up and down this traffic light in front of all of their peers, and it doesn't help the behaviour. It just, again, makes them really embarrassed, and I know that that's the model. That's the whole idea behind it is to be able to see, oh, hang on, I'm being pulled up on my behaviour here, and I've got a chance to make it right, and that's what a lot of it was based on. Like, oh, you know, we've... We've made a bit of a mistake. We've had a little bit of a wobble. But what we do next, you know, it doesn't mean that that has to be it. And I do like that kind of thinking. But I don't think that's kind of the right way to do it. And then we used to have timetables where you'd have the lessons of the day and you'd have to go and get a tick from the teacher to say whether or not you behaved in that lesson. But again, I, I think it's really surface level stuff. And when I first started teaching, again, I am not ashamed to admit that my training, my SND training was absolutely shocking. You know, it was literally as basic as um, autistic children are usually boys who can't make eye contact use a visual timetable. They struggle with transitions. So use a now and next, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it was really, really poor. It was lacking. And I'd like to say it's improved a lot over the years, but actually it hasn't in a lot of places. And I think that's really evident through the fact that a lot of our schools are not coping with this behaviour. And I am going to go forward to say that I actually know a lot of specialist provision who I've, what I've mentioned before, are also not actually doing right by a lot of the children that they serve. And some of them have a level of arrogance because they're specialist and they're better resourced and they have smaller classes. They seem to think that they are, they know it all and they're doing a better job and actually... I've seen firsthand, you know, um, it's not the case. So we, we do have a lot of scope for change in our education system. But I do also appreciate that's not easy. And, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. And who do we get together to create it? But I just think with the way we're moving into things like forest school, and we're starting to realise that interest-led learning is really crucial and, and so good for engaging children... I don't understand why we're still peddling this old stuff. And then making well, children feel like they failed. And not following the teacher's instructions. Class won't be Okay, who else doesn't learn? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and do you not want to learn? I do. It leads back to the respect thing, is what it is. Which is also one of your targets, isn't it? Yeah. So this here is a, I would call it like a respect job, so I can show respect. So what we're going to do is we're going to write some things down that you think respect means to you. So what do you think respect is? I think maybe model it. You, do you not understand that? No, I don't understand nothing. Okay. 
I'm at a loss. I, I honestly don't know what to do. She's really rude to adults. She'll do something and I'll go, right, think about the next step because you know what's going to happen and she'll go, nah, 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 like, in my face or went to give her a yellow card before and she took her name tag out and ripped it off. The types of behaviours that you're talking about, I've seen those types of behaviours in people referral unit. And I always find that with girls, it can be far yeah. harder to crack them. Crack them. Arr. Support them. Understand the underlying need because they're really good at masking and mimicking. My goodness me. The pattern here seems to be they're all a lot happier in the home environment. How are people not seeing this? I wonder why they're struggling at school. Oh my word. Tell me a bit about your school, like how you found it. When I get dropped off, I have this kind of face on my face. So sad when she's dropped Most off at school. Very mean. Like, do this, do that, no, I'm not, I'm not letting you have help. Do this, do that, no, I'm not letting you have help. That's her perception it of school. It's quite hard, I think. It's like every morning she has a bellyache. But, and the doctor said to me, no, she's just anxious. So she'll say she has bellyache and it's because she's anxious about school. But why? Every Monday to Friday, well, then there's something going on there, isn't there? This child is not choosing this. I think the emotions in my head. Who would choose to feel like this as a child? I do that a lot. I don't know why. Do you, everybody does that. Do you talk in your brain in a monologue? Apparently not everybody does have that. It's crazy, Olivia. I have it. It's crazy to me that some don't. How do they not have it? Can't imagine. How is he following instructions? It's hit and miss. Sometimes it's absolutely fine. Other times he's like, no, I'm not doing that. So we have something called a target practice system. Marie's system involves using the <sighs> self-timer to encourage a change in behaviour. If Jack continues to refuse, he will move further oh, away from the target, from yellow to orange. Yep, the target. Yes, yes, been there, done that. Um... Oh, my word. I'm not going to say that it isn't sometimes effective. But again, do you know what? It doesn't actually address what the cause is. You know, it's again, it's one of those plasters that you put over something and it's superficial and it will work as a novelty, but it's not consistent. And you're, the behavior isn't actually going to change because nothing's actually changing in terms of understanding and supporting the child. So again, I just I don't really buy into these systems anymore. And I did when I first started teaching. Of course I did, because it's all we knew. And but it just started to feel uneasy as I saw the children, you know, their, their shoulders hunch and, and just feel so ashamed and embarrassed in class. And, you know, I remember them putting our names on the board and sending us out of class when we did something wrong. And it, it's humiliation and controlling people's behaviour through humiliation and fear. I just don't agree with, you know, I think it's much better, you know, to actually build those relationships and to... It's going to sound really awful, but my mum used to um, kind of almost emotionally blackmail us is what people refer to it as. But it's not. She had such an emotional connection with us and we didn't want to disappoint her. And she was so good at if she didn't want us to do something like go to a party, she'd explain the why. She treated us with respect and our opinions were valued and our voices were valued. Why can't we do this with all children? Why can't this happen in a school? I do really believe in having the child, if you're going to go down this route, having them as part of the, you know, help um, come up with the solution. Like, you know, what can we do together? What can we try? And if this doesn't work, can you think of another way? Like, how can we help you? And can you see why we need to 
get a handle on some of these things but you know what can we do to work together to make this work again I'm not wording it brilliantly but it's just that collaboration and for me these you know the helpful approaches for PDA I think they just work for every individual so I just don't know why we don't adopt them universally really to red you don't need to worry when you say to him that's the first one or the second one because him knowing that if I do this this is what happens every single time or on the flip side every time you do that positively this is what happens subconsciously have to stop again. I'm so, so sorry, but this, this target thing again. So, you know, he'll start to learn the pattern, like the little dog he is. He will start to learn that if he does this, this is what will happen. Now, I am all for consistency. And again, early days of teaching, this is what I was like. And even when I first had my first child, this is what was kind of pushed on you to do with your children. But for, ch for a parent of children who, who have got PDA, no. This stuff doesn't work. And I also have children who struggle with connections, become emotionally dysregulated. Do you think in that moment they're able to even acknowledge that pattern or to be able to change their behaviour? I had my eldest assess recently through the Complex Developmental Disorder team and they said that he makes no connections um, between cause and consequence and he just he has a gap there. He is unable to physically understand it and that is one of the frustrations I have as a parent, actually. And, you know, and, and they had at school is it's really hard to kind of have those learning moments with your child and to address that behavior or anything like that when they are physically unable to make those connections. And again, they're just being a little bit, um, what's the word? I'm going to say ignorant. It's not the right word, but they're applying it to all children yet again. Now, whether or not you believe that is a good strategy to use is not actually the debate here but what I'm trying to put forward is there are some children even if you think it's a good strategy it won't work for and it's not because they're choosing for it not to work it's not because they don't want it to work they're physically unable to deliver what you're asking from them and that pattern recognition for my child for example everyone used to say things like oh if he keeps hitting his head you know on the cabinet he'll soon learn it hurts and not do it again well no he repeatedly did it and even now at nearly seven he does not learn not to do things. It doesn't matter what consequence or natural consequence there is, not that I actually impose them anymore, but I did when he was younger and they didn't work. It doesn't matter what you impose, it isn't going to change the behaviour. And I saw that in the classroom, which is why I stepped away from a lot of these techniques. And if anything, I use the emotional connection, you know, to kind of, I suppose, bond with the child and just find out what was going on. And I was really honest. I got told off sometimes of being too honest with the children, like you need to be more professional, you're too honest. But actually sometimes it was better for me to just be honest and straight talking with them and say, look, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to deliver this lesson because, you know, you keep shouting over me or whatever. And, um, you know, some people will find that absolutely terrible for me to admit, but I'm not going to lie to you. There are times when I was just very, very real and I was so frustrated and... um. They responded better to that than me moving their name on a target board. Let's put it that way, because they actually cared about me and they weren't trying to hurt me or hurt the other children. They just got carried away in the moment, which is what happens with most children. So. Consciously, you can relax and be like, okay, so I know what's going to happen next and that's safe for me. Uh, no, it will create anxiety when they have no control over that and they keep failing. I disagree with you, Marie. Maybe for typically developed children, but no, not across the board, not for every child. We've done this one three times already, so you should be experts at this. 
Question, please. Oh my word, Cav, help on the questions. I thought you said please. In my bag. Right, I'm going to stop it here because I don't think you can hear what's happening because I talked over it. But essentially, the little boy's asking for help and she's like, you didn't say please. Um, again, I don't think they realise that, yes, you want to teach manners, and, but there's a way to do it and a time to do it. And, you know, he's reaching out for help, which is progress, isn't it? Rather than him being rude to the teacher and, you know, leaving the classroom... And again, it's just always they're met with these expectations. And it's like as though the, instead of meeting them where they are, they keep kind of putting the bar higher. And I know that some people will say, well, that's the whole point. But actually, you know, he's made really good progress. Celebrate him. Be proud of him. Go and offer him that support. I don't, I've, and also these teachers sit at their computers during lessons. I've never known anything like it. In the schools I worked in, you were not allowed to do that. You couldn't sit and mark or go on your computer during a lesson. You had to be with the children, rotating, working with the group. You were always on. There was absolutely no way you were allowed to get away with that. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe they're not as involved in the actual lesson and those children as they should be. I sound really judgmental, but, you know, I've lived this and it's just very confusing to me. But what happens next is she makes a joke, which is quite funny, like, oh, that's £10, please. And then he's like, oh, actually, I have got £10, literally, in his um, shoe. So she's now going to demand that he goes and gets it. So we've moved away from him requesting for help and getting an immediate, say please, and then all the stuff that follows, and then we're going to have another negative interaction. And he is going to be blamed for it. Just listen. Can you go and get it so I can keep it safe? I'm worried that it shouldn't really be in your bag. Can you go and get it? Thank you. It's the policy at Milton Hall that pupils are not allowed valuable possessions in school. Go and get it. No. Excuse me? It's in my bag. I'm not even going to take it out. Battle of the wheels here. No. No point getting into this with a kid. She's just... Her ego's being damaged here and she's losing control because he's not just doing his, his poor little face. Seriously, you need to watch this. She's now moving him onto the yellow. I've asked you to go and get it, so you need to go and get it. And he's saying no. I am actually going to give you an experience I had as a child, okay, and I was actually a teenager, and I'd worn very stupidly nail varnish to school, and it was not subtle nail varnish, it was black and blue. I think we'd had Halloween over the weekend, and I'd forgotten to remove it. Anyway, our science teacher, in the middle of assembly, so imagine this at the age of, like, you, you were teenagers, and he's like, you, get up now, come and take off your nail varnish. And I couldn't. I couldn't get up. And the more he pushed me, the more I couldn't do it. And then I had children being horrible to me and afterwards saying to me things like, you think you're so hard. <laughs> Never. Like I was, I was what was referred to as a square at school because I was really like, well, actually, to be honest, I was a bit of a loner. And I threw myself into my studies because I didn't really have a great social life there, to be honest with you. And I'd hide in the toilets and eat my lunch at lunchtime. And I'm kind of digressing. My point is, they used to kind of pick on children like me who they thought weren't going to answer back. And I was not rude in the slightest. Um, but my mum had taught me to stand up for myself when I felt that I was being wronged. And in this situation, I felt it was totally unreasonable of him to ask me in the middle of a hall to stand up and walk out. It was humiliating. Why do teachers feel the need to do this? Maybe it's why I wasn't like it as a teacher, because I don't agree with it. And I know how it feels firsthand. 
and I wouldn't get up. But like I said, you know, first of all, it was like, no, I said to him, I thought it was reasonable. I negotiated with him and I said, I'll come and see you at break time to remove it. No, you will get up now. But the more he started putting those demands on me, the more I resisted to the point where I, I couldn't get up. And for the rest of that assembly, he was glaring at me. Because do you know why really? Because he'd lost face. He thought he's got an easy win there picking on a child like me. And he was picking on me. There was no need, there was no need to drag me out of the assembly. Um, the reason I'm telling you this is because this is how I feel. This is what I feel is happening in this part of this programme. This child is now, you know, she's shifted focus onto something so unimportant and that wasn't the original thing. And if she really wanted to get his £10, she could say, oh do you mind taking me to your shoe? Can we go together and just have a look at it? Would you like me to look after it for you? Should we make like a really special container and we can keep it in there safe? Because, you know, in school, we're not allowed to have it. I'm so worried it would get stolen. Like, please let me help you look after it. There's just a different way to go about it. Um, she's playing authoritarian. But really, I wonder if it's because the cameras are there and she feels like she's being undermined. And I think a lot of teachers have this problem where they're, they're losing face and so they double down harder. But this poor child now, you know, I can see that he, he's not resisting it to be horrible, but he can't and he feels hurt and he feels confused. And it's really obvious on his face that there's so much more going on and she can't see that. She's just embarrassed he's not done as he's told. I'm going to give you a one minute. Here, so, you can watch your turn. so now he gets a nice one minute sand one minute. timer. And then you're moving on to orange. For not going and getting the £10 note. Well, I'm not, and I don't blame you, Jack. If you're in my class, little man, I'd have so much respect for you. I have a situation that I've created. <sighs> really angers me. Do you know what's really sad is this child started off quite giddy, quite happy to participate. He's saying I didn't do anything, and he's right, he didn't. For no reason, you're right, Jack. This is unfair. Children are voiceless, it's wrong. He's being rude, is he? I think you're rude. Be fine. They're all dealing with it badly. Oh no, he's in the red because he won't go and get his £10 note. I didn't even do anything, he's saying. He's getting really frustrated. Turn it around. And now he's going out of the classroom. He knocks a box on the way out of the classroom and even comes back to put it back in place. This is not a bad kid. He's got the ten pound note. My children are like this, by the way. Because you are not in the right mood to go into class right now. When you are calm, When you are calm, I've riled you up. I have made you feel like this for no reason. I've dealt with the situation completely wrong and now you're responsible. <laughs> This bit really gets me. Poor child. 
to think your children are at school being treated like this and feeling like this is just absolutely awful and it's why my eldest is at home and if my youngest ever goes through this at school he will be at home too because it's just awful he's crying his heart out outside the classroom you know in a little corner by the lunch trolley because he, he's confused and he's angry and he's frustrated and he hasn't done anything to deserve this. I feel so cross for him. I'm so cross. That poor child just gets me. Oh, you're calming down brilliantly. I think she needs to apologize. She needs to apologize for her behavior. She needs to model that. Oh, well done, Jack. Oh, that was a quick turnaround. I know I'm angry with this scene. Right, I'm stopping here, sorry. Right, so she's saying that, oh, they need to calm down 10, 15 minutes. This child, you should see his face at the desk. He's broken. There's still stuff underlying there. There's still stuff under the surface. He's not happy. He's not back to normal. It's just, do you know what these children learn to do? They learn to just stop arguing back and they just learn to not be themselves because no one's listening to them. You know, he's trapped there in this environment where people don't understand him. And yes, they might have lovely moments of connection, but that scene in itself, they, they shouldn't be going through that. And if that is happening, those teachers should be reflecting just like any adult should be with a child who is exhibiting that behavior and, and responds that way. I make mistakes all the time, but I always am humble enough to reflect on my on my own issues and my own errors and my own mistakes and to apologize to my children and model that I also get things wrong whereas she's now seeing this as a win he's calmed down so in future I'm confident you know it'll be able okay so it doesn't matter what happens to him mentally as long as he's just not burdening you again I'm sorry I know she means well but it's not enough I'm quick to deal with it I know it's gonna work and he has responded well oh wow no I'm no, it's going to work. What, just keep putting him on different colours, making him feel helpless? Poor child. And then the editing is annoying me because now he's all happy and engaged, but believe me, short-term solutions, and that was, un that was avoidable. I don't like it. Sorry, I just don't like the system. What do we propose we do instead, hey? Because this is not, it's just not right. There has been an incident involving Oscar in year two. This is such a good opportunity to work with a child in the moment when you're able to model and show the adult how to work with them. Oh, here Oscar we go. has hit a friend in the playground and spat at a mother in the classroom. Here comes Marie to show them how it's done. They've had to be taken next door. Did you hurt anybody? Well done for being honest. What did you do that hurt somebody? That's big. Well done for being honest. I think now, it's good. She says, good like, well choice. done for being honest. Is fitting a good choice? Good choice. No, not a good choice. He was clearly thinking about that extensively when he reacted. Okay, fine, and that's okay. And Oscar? Oscar? So if I say Oscar, you need to say yes Right, I'm sorry. Already you can see why I'm stopping this, right? Oscar? Oscar? 
He's not looking at her. Right, when I say Oscar, you need to say yes. And you know what they're going to promote, don't you? It's you must look at me. You're not listening if you're not, if you're not looking at me. And uh, again, yes, that was all the stuff I was taught when I first started teaching. You can actually get into trouble. You can get downgraded in your observations if, if uh, it appears that a child is not engaged and not listening to you. Because they don't actually take into account that some children, myself included, sometimes need to look around the room or doodle. Oh, it's just crazy. What a system. Or you can just look at me. Excellent, I know you're listening. Well done. Novelty. Oscar, do you know what Won't be consistent. He can't. That's okay that you don't know. So I'm at school. You learn new things every day. Okay? He's so my youngest so much. If we've made a wrong choice, so if we oh. have spat at somebody, which is a wrong choice, then something has to happen to teach us that we mustn't do that again. So you need to do your consequence now, which is going into the nest. But I don't like nests. I know you don't like Now, I appreciate that, yes, I had to do this at school. You have to teach there's a consequence for your behaviour. But do you know what I used to always do, to be honest with you? You might criticise this, but um, I used to give children the opportunity to earn things back all the time. Because I didn't want children being without things. Like, you know, one of the things they used to love doing was take playtime away. Okay, the bit that they need. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You know, um, I just, again, I don't agree with it. But this child, this, you know, trying to enforce a consequence, but it just feels forced, as I've just said, really forced. It doesn't feel like um, authentic or that it's actually teaching him anything. And as I said earlier, some children can't control themselves in the moment. They need help with the emotional stuff that's underlying or the regulation techniques. Um, so maybe it'd be better to go and do that with him rather than write your consequences, go to the nest, which is supposed to be a nurturing space, but we've used it into a punishment space. It's a little bit like when they say, try not to send a child to their bedroom because that's supposed to be their, you know, calming space where they have sleep. And if you make it a negative place for them, then you're kind of going against that whole principle. And, uh, you know, I know that that's easier said than done, especially like I've had to sometimes go up with my child into the bedroom during a meltdown. I don't put him in there and leaving him, leave him, however. I sit with him um, and I kind of try and just be there and guide him through it. But um, you have to sometimes for safety reasons. But this isn't that. He's not in that moment anymore. Some children won't even understand what she's trying to do. They'll just regurgitate and on the surface just people please. But it's not going to change anything long term. Like, let's actually deal with the reason why he's getting like that. That's going to be a better use of time rather than, no, no, we must enforce a consequence because otherwise we don't look like we're doing anything. Because that's what it feels like to me. The nest, but they didn't like it when you hurt somebody and you don't like the consequence of going into the nest. And Illogical to, to me, I'm sorry. No. Because if you do hurt someone again, Oscar, Oscar. Look at me, Oscar. If you do hurt somebody again, what will happen? Um, there will be another consequence. Yeah? But do you not realise if you have to keep giving the consequence of that behaviour, it's clearly not working. Use a new system. We did used to use consequence when I was teaching. Um, but again, what, what I found valuable when I had to follow those uh, procedures was, you know, empowering the child to kind of take responsibility and you have to model that stuff. And being part of the consequence, if that makes sense. Again, I'm not even saying I condone them, to be honest. But if you are going to use it, involve the child in it. But this, 
I don't feel is really logical. Language is one of the best ways to do that. If you have made a wrong choice, there's now going to be a consequence. If you can start hearing that language... Wrong choice. Consequence. Like that in order to be able to have... Oh, I'm a really bad person because I clearly chose to do that. No, that wasn't reactive and that wasn't out of my control. That wasn't because I couldn't regulate my emotions. I'm just a really bad person because I chose to spit at that person. Gosh, I really am bad. I definitely do deserve a consequence, yes. It won't change my behaviour because no one's actually getting to the root cause of it, but... You know, I, I will start to hear that language, Marie, you're correct. And um, nothing will change long term as a result of it. Apart from maybe masking. Internal restraints in the moment. Oscar has spent two hours out of class. Marie now wants him to return and continue with his lessons. OK, Oscar. Yeah, wait a sec. No, not one sec. Oscar. Well done for looking at me straight away. Excellent. Yes. Whether it's looking or yes. Because not looking at people, wow, that's the gold standard, yes, especially for autistic kids. Away. Excellent. Well done. I knew you could do it. Okay, now it's time to... They're not, in, they're not understanding that also there's a novelty. She's a different person, a different voice. She's, you know, really, really kind of excitable, which obviously is going to work with children. And, um, you know, but oh, I just don't understand the obsession with this eye contact thing. You know, what I used to kind of do was, you know, can I just check, are you, are you listening to me? Can you hear me? Brill, okay, right, I'm going to talk to you. You don't have to look at me, that's fine. But I am going to talk to you and I really hope you can hear, you know, what I'm saying to you because it's really important that we discuss this and blah, blah, blah. Again, different ways of doing it. It could be through pictures and all sorts of things. I'm to go back into class, okay? So I'm going to walk across the playground. Yeah, and then hold on a minute, I'm talking and then you can talk when I've finished, Okay. You have two apologies, two sorries to say. <laughs> right. And what are you saying? So, again, he's people-pleasing. He's masking. He's superficially being sociable. They aren't seeing it. Oh, he's really... Oh, I'm so amazing. My techniques are working. Oh, they're really working. Look, he's looking at me. He's saying all the right things, what he's going to do. He's enthusiastic. He's, he knows exactly... Yeah, my child can do that. Doesn't stop it happening again because he can't actually help that behaviour. That's why we're having to teach him all those strategies. You know, we're getting there. But it, it takes a long time, and it takes more than these tricks, these surface-level tricks. I'm sorry for... This is designed for the adult, not for the child. So, mm -hmm. I spat at Leah out mass. Right. And then when we, before we're going in, yeah. I hit Eddie. Okay, thank you, for be, thank you for being honest. And that was a wrong choice. Choice. Make a right choice. Well done, Absolutely. Okay? Well done for this. You can tell me one last... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One last thing and then we're going. Yes. Oh, my word. Like, seriously, guys. Wait a, wait a minute. I am in control. I'm the dog trainer here. Okay? Uh, uh, sit. Sit. Speak. Speak. Good boy. Anybody else get that impression? He wants to please. Children should have to come out of their class and the child dealing with the behaviour is left. It's so important that he stays in the class in order to be able to change his behaviour over time and for him to be able to feel 
that the classroom is a safe space. For yeah, you do it. need the classroom to be the so safe I'll space. Absolutely. Because she's been your best friend and your closest ally in this class, and I just feel really sad that you did that to her. It makes me feel sad. Do I go and get her so that you can say sorry to her? Can I tell you what I think was wrong there? Now, I'm not going to say I never did that either with children. I'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm really sad about that. That makes me quite sad because that can be really effective in some situations. But this kid has already been removed from class, had to write these letters, been spoken to like he's a dog, and then he's gone back to the class teacher who's then laid the boot in. Like, she didn't need to say, oh, I'm really sad you did that. She could be like, do you know what? Thank you for taking responsibility for what you did. I'm really proud of you for coming back to try and make amends with these children because, you know, they, they really like you, Oscar, and I'm really proud of you. Why is there not more positivity? People say it's pandering, I know. Oh, she's asked you a question, what do you say? We don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to speak back to you, Oscar. We'll stop you when you're talking. Uh, stop, wait, wait, wait. Right, that's fine. But, you know, we're adults, so we definitely, we, we get treated differently to children. We understand that sorry is more than just a word. And he needs to understand what it feels like to be sorry to prevent him from repeating the action. But again, how does she know that he actually knows what it feels like to be sorry? He's going through the motions. He's doing everything he's been told to do to make amends. How are they so confident and secure that he understands what sorry actually means? Again, nobody has actually done anything to look into why he's behaving how he is and whether he actually has the ability to identify these emotions and these feelings. Again, just ridiculous. Sorry. What are you sorry for? Sorry for hitting you. Okay. Let me do sorry time. It's a little bit wet, but that's okay. Yeah. Would you like to say anything back to Oscar? You don't have to if you don't want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. Oh, wow. All right, you've never been to class. Bye, buddy. So you made really good choices because mm -hmm. you said sorry. Oh, okay? yeah, because that makes everything go so away. Class, you're going to sit in your chair and you're going to listen and follow the instructions that your teacher gives you. Oscar would have usually been excluded from class for the rest of the day for his behaviour. No, that's one. Oscar, sit down, thank you. Oscar, sit down, thank you. Right, so, I'm sorry, Today. that's annoyed me. He's just walked into... Marie, right, I'm sorry, Marie, if you listen to this, but what frustrates me is I get your position, I've been there, and I get that you're going into a school to advise, okay, and you're trying to assert your authority, I get it, like, you know, you've got to prove your worth and, and why you're there. And you jumped at the opportunity to model it for everyone. I think you'll um, see that from my comments, I don't fully agree with everything you did. Um, again, might be the editing. But what I don't agree with is he goes into his classroom and he goes and approaches his teacher and he's showing her his letter or he's telling her something. And you are then shouting across a classroom, like, you know, sit down, thank you, sit down, thank you. But your instruction is more important than him interacting with the teacher. Instead of you thinking, do you know what? I'm not going to order you sit down. Thank you. It isn't important. You haven't heard me. You're engaging with your teacher. She's happy to have you back in. I'm actually going to leave it. It's almost as though because the camera's on, you've got to be seen to be having that effect and to be respected. Because that just, again, it's trying to assert something that is unimportant to me at that time. But I get it's on television. Hey, what would I be like on telly? Awful. Apologised for his actions and is oh, to wow. to Triggering. He has tested me more than any other child, definitely. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, we enjoy having him in class and I enjoy teaching him, but when he's had really bad days, it has been a relief when he hasn't been here. I could not catch you, Oscar. <laughs> He'll I pick up on that, by the way. Oscar settled back in and focused on his work until home time. What I don't like with the editing here though is they're trying to make out that this one thing is like the life-changing moment and all of a sudden everything is okay. And do you know what? Maybe, maybe they could follow this a year later and go, oh wow, no, it's still working. But my instinct is that it, it won't. I think that again, novelty and the kind of superficial success Temporary success is more likely because we're not really actually dealing with anything underneath it. He could get worse as he gets older if he isn't really feeling understood. The system will only work if there is consistency across the board. So that's the team around the child, parents, the school staff, everyone who works with the child. Oscar, could you go and do a lovely picture for your friends while I'm talking, please? Okay, is it all right if I just say something as well? Yeah, of course. Oscar, can you come? Well done for looking straight away. Oh, wow. Amazing. Now, I'm going to talk to mummy, okay? So when I'm talking to mummy, you need to stay over there like mummy said. Hold on, you're going to speak next. You're going to stay over there like mummy said and do the picture. And we're not going to come over this way until we finish talking. Okay. I know you can do it because you can follow instructions really good, can't you? Yeah. Because yeah. that's the gold standard. Following instructions are yeah, really good, absolutely. Oscar. Come on, okay. do as you're told. Yeah. It won't work long term. Just because you've got an excited voice. He's so proud of himself and I feel so sorry for him because the things they're valuing to me are not important, but hey. The way I contained him in that moment, that's why he responded. It made him feel safe and contained because... He felt safe and contained. And our job is to help him manage that emotion. Because this whole time... Yes, children need clarity and they need to feel safe, but I just think this is naive to think that, you know, again, a different voice, a different face. We have the same thing as parents. You know, like when you are the familiar, it's not because somebody's coming and they're superior to you. It's because they're a different voice. They're a different face. They're a different energy. But that doesn't mean it would work long term. If you were to trade roles, I bet you it still wouldn't work long term. I've never actually known how he's been. You've kind of made me step into his shoes. I mean, that's valuable that she's got mum to think from his perspective. Everybody should be doing that. He's asked because he knows that the instruction was to stay there. But it literally is like he's a different child. Thinking about it now with what you said to me today, he must, all he must hear is negativity from my house. But you want to remember, it's not just you. We all do it as parents because you don't, you don't automatically go around going, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Catch him being good, we used to say. But you see, this works with my son, novelty value. And he's a PDA, so you do the same kind of things all the time. Like, there's no way he can get into bed. No, no, he won't be able to put himself into bed. Nah. Do you know what? 
I think I'm going to have to go and put him into bed myself because there's no way he's going to climb into bed. Oh my gosh, he's, he's gone. He can't be in bed. Hang on. There's a bulge under the covers here. I wonder what this is. Hmm, I can feel feelies. I can feel arms. There's a head. Who is it? Oh my gosh, he's got himself into bed. Now, I'm not going to lie and say we don't do those things because we do. And, you know, it, <laughs> it, it does work. But again, um, I just still think that them saying, look at me. Like, oh, oh, I think it's the thing they're putting the priority one that's maybe jarring me more than the technique they're using. I think any child, if you're excitable, they're going to do it. I mean, I remember being a um, trainee teacher and being on a placement. And one of the teachers said, and this is really awful, but I'm going to share it. She was like, what's funny with little children is if you have an excited voice, you can get them to do anything. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, oh, my gosh, everyone just run around in a circle. And they're running around in a circle, loving life. And, um, you know, so I think what people are not seeing here it's not necessarily the strategy it's just her energy and everything so that's actually there's so much more going on here but this thing about oscar look at me <gasps> he looked at me immediately i don't i don't get it maybe it's because i'm autistic but i don't understand why all of a sudden you have to <gasps> look at them and the way that he's having to the way he's doing it isn't natural either is it that's not sustainable that's like again novelty value they're making it into a game and all fun so of course he's going to do it but what's the value in it i can't believe this He's so proud of himself. Like, oh. like, those are two things you can just start practicing. So we can just look or we can say yes, either or is fine. Look and yes. Why? Why is that important? Yeah, we have to use a lot of distraction and a lot of positivity in this household. We have children who are deeply anxious. My youngest in particular, well, they both have huge sense of failure. Oh, this child is so gorgeous. Good Oscar's in there. He's good. He is good. He's got challenges that are beyond him. And it's so sad that children get labelled as bad for things that they can't control. What a world we live in. I just like that you can have a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh okay. But um, the real, I suppose, issue that we have is the intimidating behaviour. This is Olivia, like, pushing children around. But the teacher just looks up and just, like, um, I'm not being funny, but that's not really dealing with it either, is it? <laughs> it's just so crazy. It just comes across very aggressive. I'm struggling. All the boys, all the girls... Hmm. Feels good sometimes, feels bad sometimes, because then I hurt people sometimes. If we keep overly using the word aggressive, we don't want you to be aggressive, Olivia. Yes. In the moment, all she can hear is aggressive. Aggressive, aggressive, angry, angry. I agree with that. Children believe the description about themselves in regards to behaviour. Yeah. And when a child becomes their behaviour, when that becomes their identity, that's extremely damaging. Oh, yeah. And again, you're shaping how the other children view them as well. I think there is 
a much softer, vulnerable side to her underneath. And I think that's not portrayed because she's put on this big protective shell so that people stay away and they don't get too close. The issues behind what's going on for her have to be identified, otherwise the armour gets bigger and bigger and harder and harder. Then yeah. people start responding to the armour rather than responding to oh her Oh my, that is so true. People do respond to the armour. They don't look underneath it. It's been two months since Jade started following Marie's system. It's like formed really good friendships with the children. It's happy to do the work without me having to be there all the time. So yeah, he does seem more independent. Some of that would be down to the fact there's a better connection with the teacher though, right? How do people not see if you built that relationship, you'd probably have success without all the other stuff. Does he does he need the target system or did he just need the security with the teacher? He just looks so happy. It's like you wouldn't even know. It's always been in the middle of my this is nice. He's in the playground. He's actually like running around with other kids. Lovely. I just feel like again. He needed the connection with the teacher and he needed her to feel more positive about him. So the other children pick up on that too. This is my philosophy. Okay, that is the end. They're now just giving you a little um, taste of what's to come. So basically, I've given you my thoughts on that. Some people might agree, some might disagree. Um, again, I'm, I appreciate, as I've said, that it might be editing. I can see that Marie Gentles has got the philosophy in place. And I've seen in other areas that actually, where they've allowed her to go into more detail of what she actually knows. She's a very knowledgeable woman, and I won't take that away from her. But I still think that there are some big claims there with regard to saying it works for all children. And I think that some of the children on here had really clear needs that were not being met. And I don't think those strategies long term are effective because we actually need to get into the underlying reasons. Um, but yes, if they're having success in school, I suppose that's brilliant. But we need to make sure that it's not just a little mask and it's not actually kind of teaching children to suppress who they are and what their difficulties are, because that's really damaging. And I know because I did that as a child and I'm only now as an adult learning to unmask at 38 and so and to accept who I am. So um, that's kind of my two cents on the whole topic. And we will go over episode two. If you've actually lasted this long, then well done you. Perseverance. <laughs> Thanks for joining and we'll speak soon.